0: Welcome to the Amanda Wagner Podcast. In this episode, we pick up where we left off in episode 44, talking about why we need to share our greatest hits and not hoard our ideas. Today, we are going to share some of our greatest hits, some of the phrases, analogies, and stories that we tell and share over and over again because we see the results and the impact of what we have to say. If you haven't listened to episode 44, we recommend going back there for some context and then jumping back to this episode. Of course, we are going to share the context of where we find ourselves sharing these hits so that they can help you too. At the end of the episode, we're also going to challenge you to think about one of your greatest hits and share it with us so that we can get it out in the world a little bit more and make sure
1: that you are saying loud and proud things that matter to you. And in WWAWD, or What Would Amanda Wagner Do?, we answer Michelle's question about how to prove your worth at work. A little hint. I want you to
0: stay tuned till the end of the episode because we have something very exciting up our sleeves for the next two episodes, something we've never done before, and it's our first time, and something that our community on Instagram said they really wanted. So stick around till the end, and we will give you some juicy details about what to expect from the next two episodes. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications
1: specialist.
0: The Amanda Wagner Podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. After the release of episode 44, I had more texts, DMs, and messages than ever before from people who confessed that they are also idea hoarders and that they keep their cards close to their chest. It sounds like this was an episode that really got people thinking about why am I hiding things so close? Why am I keeping things secret and private, even though I know they have the potential to have a big impact? In that episode, I shared my own deep dive discovery. I went into why I've been a hoarder, how being a perfectionist has impacted that, and how that concept of transmedia storytelling has me eager to share my best work now all over the place and be loud about it. In the name of walking the walk, Liz and I finished recording episode 44 and immediately said, we should share some of our best stuff here. I often have Liz's voice in my head with a few of the phrases that I've heard her use in front of audiences and to me as a client, and they never fail to help me. Even though I've heard them, multiple times.
1: I've been to lots of your talks as well and have heard your greatest hits. And when you were just saying that, I pictured me in that position as the mom with the camcorder and mean girls like Amy Poehler out in the crowd because you tell your stories and I feel like I can mouth them along with you I'm like the proud (laughs) stage mom in the crowd yes and that's
0: one of my favorite parts we talked about this in the last episode with comedians where I'm like I'm mouthing along I know the story I know exactly what the punchline is and still I love it. And I'm there for it. And what's quite funny is that in, in my office at home, I have my door closed. I have many confidential calls. So my partner can't hear the people I'm talking to, but I'm a loud talker. I'm an expressive talker. And so sometimes he'll walk by my office and he'll hear one of my stories and he will recite the next line. (laughs) I'm going to share one of those with you today, but he'll walk by my office and he'll just say meatballs or hamburgers. (laughs) Or he'll come by and he'll say, oh, that old chestnut, because he knows my stories. And I I know that I sound like a broken record, but that's the point. That's how we get known, developing a style. And I'm I'm honored to think of you as my proud stage mom with a camcorder. (laughs) I definitely feel the same way when I've seen you speak. We've done a couple events together. And so kind of having that one, two of AWLP is something that's really quite special to me. I know that there are a few things that we both say that we can imagine audience members either rolling their eyes or mouthing along because they've heard them, but that's because they make sense and they're applicable to the situation. So as promised, we're going to share a handful of our greatest hits and I want to start with something that you've probably heard before. That doesn't mean I want you to skip ahead two minutes. What it means is I want you to hear it where you're at right now, because chances are the last time you heard it, you were in a different place. You were thinking in a different way. So back in 2019, I was at a beautiful conference in Palm Springs and I was I'm such a keener, right? You can picture me. I'm sitting in the front row. I have my notebook with me. I'm ready to take notes. And I'm in a session that is all about better networking. The idea being how to be interested and more interesting and stop asking people, what is your name? What do you do? So naturally I'm keen. And at this conference, there are a huge number of mostly millennial women from bloggers and entrepreneurs to lifestylists and influencers. And we're in this space and many of the other people in the room are also keen to learn how to do this. And I've shared before that on the woo-woo scale, as far as things like manifesting and um, law of attraction, that's not really my style. I'm one woo. I'm a curious skeptic, but you're probably not going to catch me writing in my gratitude journal and manifesting every day. That's just my style. No shade at it. It's just what I am. So as we are sitting in this conference room, the presenter gets to the climax of her story, of her entire presentation, which is I'm going to give you the magic question that's going to help you be a better networker. And she asks us to now talk to people, go to strangers and say, tell me what sets your soul on fire. Liz is making a gross face. I feel exactly the same way. I write it down because that's what I do. And I turn around and I look at the people next to me and I'm going, you heard that, right? Is that really the best Way to do this? Is that the best advice that you're giving me? You're suggesting that I come home and go to my networking events and say to people, What sets your soul on fire? And you think that I'm not going to be the weird soul on fire lady that people back away from? That might work at this conference. This conference is ripe with women who want to get deep quickly, who understand where some of these questions are coming from. But I can't really imagine myself in a professional setting in my city having that interaction be positive. Long story long, I sat in that conference room and I looked at this woman on stage and all I could think was, why is she up there and I'm not? And I started coming up with what I call the yeah, buts, all the excuses, all the reasons that she was up there. She's smarter than I am. She has more degrees than I do. She's prettier than I am. All of these things that were talking myself down, how I didn't know the right people, how I didn't have enough experience. She had been doing this for five years and I've only been doing it for two. All the excuses that I made and in reality, the only difference between her and I is that she wrote a pitch to the conference and I just bought a ticket. She had the guts to make a decision and say, I have something to say. And instead I sat back and said, I'm not ready yet. It's not good enough yet. It has to be perfect before I can pitch my idea. So when I share this story with people, I always leave asking who is the person or the organization or the, the model, the mentor that you're looking to and going, why them and not me? Why are they doing something that I want to be doing? And then we can figure out what are the reasons we hold ourselves back? What are the yeah buts? And from there, that's where we get to take action. This is a story that I share in every single workshop that I start. Every single person who joins Claim Your Spotlight has heard this story because they get it. And I see the heads nodding along and each person in there can picture who they were looking at. Or who they saw online or in person and said, oh, why them and not me? Liz, I would love to hear one of your phrases or stories that you say all the time. I haven't seen these yet, but I have a feeling I know a couple of them. So let me be the proud mom for a second. And I want to hear one of your greatest hits.
1: I expect to see you dancing in the crowd with your camcorder. One of my greatest hits that I say so often, I say it in one-on-one training sessions, I've said it at conferences, I've said it in casual conversation, is don't post and ghost. So when you're creating content, whether it's for social media or for a blog or for a newsletter, consistency is the name of the game. When you're creating content to for an audience, the purpose is to nurture relationships and to build up that community. And so when we say don't post and ghost, it means don't just, you know, post on Instagram, you know, on November the first and then forget instagram exists until, you know, december 10th, you've completely ghosted your audience. If you were trying to build a relationship with a human being through a dating app, you wouldn't say hello and then ghost them until 6 weeks later. That's just not how it works. So I'm a big believer in not posting and ghosting and continuing to show up, continuing to repeat your message and to be there for your audience because they're not going to be there for you if you don't continue to show up for them. So I'm a big don't post and ghost kind of gal. That's one of my biggest, greatest hits.
0: I have one question for you on this, Mm -hmm. Liz. How is don't post and ghost different for a business owner or a leader than it is for somebody who has a personal Instagram account when they share, when they want to, if they want to take a social media break, do they have to tell the world? How -hmm. is it different for these two groups of people?
1: That's a really interesting question. And we're in a really fascinating time in that our brains have been changed by the algorithms. So, you know, we as humans, not necessarily business owners, we just as people often feel the need to explain our absences online because we've been reprogrammed to do so. I think the difference between being a business owner or doing social media or communications in a professional sense versus a personal sense is on the professional side of things, it should be rooted in some sort of strategy, which haha, spoiler alert is one of my greatest hits. When you are doing social media or some sort of digital communications or just your website on the professional side of things, it should be rooted in a strategy. You're making choices based on what you want to accomplish as a business. On the personal side of things, it, it can just be a scrapbook if you want it to be. It can just be for funsies. There doesn't need to be that pressure of the consistent posting. So I think that's the biggest differentiator between personal and professional.
0: I love to hear that because I've seen more and more people in their personal lives feeling like they have to make an excuse or tell a story about I'm taking a social media break for three weeks. And I think that's where inconsistency is not only acceptable but it's welcomed it's encouraged because it's on your own time it is different when you are a a business a leader somebody who is trying to drive that consistency and make sure that that message is not only on brand but it's repeated over and over again thank you for clarifying that now this is the one that i say the most often you choose the shape of the meat so many times I will forget if I have told this story and I'll say, are you familiar with the shape of the meat? And I get a really strange look from people. And that's when I go, trust me, by the end of this, you'll know what I'm talking about. And if they've heard it before, they'll go meatballs or hamburgers, right? And I go, Yes, that's what we're talking about. So when I'm working with anybody who is selling anything, a product, a service, a membership, anything that you are putting out in the world to sell, or people who are in the beginning stages and trying to figure out what to offer. It gets really easy to be stuck in thinking you have to provide millions of options for everyone's needs. Sometimes we want our customers to tell us exactly what they want and we hope that they will tell us every single piece that they need. And so then we can create a package based on that Then we get into an ugly space of trying to figure out pricing and always having everything be custom. So when I talk about the shape of the meat, the hardest part for me at home, I do most of the cooking. I am a better cook than my partner. I often enjoy to do it and I often enjoy doing it and he does most of the cleaning. It works out beautifully. My biggest frustration at home is when I say, hey, Robin, what do you want for dinner? And he says, eh, I don't know what I feel like because then I don't have any direction. I'm trying to figure out where should I start? Is it a is it a pasta night? Is it a pizza night? Are we doing tacos? Are we doing salads? Are we doing stir fry? There's all these options to pick from. Similar to if you were to say to your customer, well, I can do anything. What do you want? And it makes them do all the work. So instead, the question I now ask Robin, is I'll say, I, I'm defrosting ground beef. Do you want meatballs or hamburgers? Regardless of what I pull out of the freezer or what I have in the fridge, instead of saying, what do you want? I now narrow down the options. We are having ground beef. I'm giving you the choice of the shape of it. You decide if you want meatballs, if you want hamburgers, or if we're feeling lucky, maybe there's a meatloaf in there. But regardless, we know we're having ground beef. So I say to my clients, you choose the meat. Your job is to let the customers choose the shape of it. So when it comes to clothing retailers, like it doesn't matter which sweater they buy. What matters is that it's available in three different colors and they can pick which color. This is why I hate the question, is there anything I can help you with? It makes your customer do so much work that really you should be doing, right? You should be offering them that space. And it means that we have an infinite number of options instead of narrowing it down. So if you are somebody who is planning your offerings, trying to figure out what packages to offer or how to bundle your products, my advice is to do less but better have fewer options and be very specific about who each of them is for what they get and frankly in your kitchen as well stop asking what do you want for dinner make a call and let the other people in your home choose the shape of the meat that night
1: it's so funny when I go into a store which I feel like I haven't done in a while but when I did do that and a retail person asked me, is there anything I can help you with today? I almost get like a little panicked as to, I don't know what the answer is here. And lots of times I'll say, no, I'm just looking. And then I'll walk away and I'm like, that's not the answer. I am here for something specific, but I felt so on the spot that I just bailed. Right. That's so. That's such a great perspective to give because it's so true. Yes. You either you answer,
0: no, I'm just looking because it's a cop-out. And often it's the first thing somebody will say to you. So you're kind of caught off guard. But also I am in here for something. Why is your customer doing more work than you are? Right. This I'm going to hijack the mic for a second here because this lends itself to another one of my greatest hits, which is that your customer should never be working harder than you are. Let's imagine this retail example. I, I happen to live in Edmonton and we have West Edmonton Mall. So I will often say to people who run stores, cafes, that your customer got up in the morning, they put on pants, they dressed kids, they got strollers and diaper bags and everybody loaded up into a vehicle to find parking at West Edmonton Mall in the middle of winter. And you're going to ask them, you're doing okay today? That's the best you can do. Your customer put pants on for you. They did all this work to come to you. It's your job to deliver to them. So whether or not you are a physical storefront, even when people show up in my Zoom room, like somebody did something to get here. They're choosing to spend their money and their time with me. Now it's my job to deliver. It's my job to perform and to give them what they want.
1: Perfect segue into my next greatest hit. Tell me everything. How that worked out. And I don't even know it. (laughs) (laughs) So you said it's your job to deliver to the customers. My next greatest hit is figure out what the people want and give them that thing. I'm a big believer in making data-driven decisions, looking at analytics and the insights that are available to you on communications platforms, using that information to determine what your next move is with the content you're creating. So whether you have a Facebook page or you have a blog or you are on Instagram or whatever it may be, there's information available to you with how your content is performing, how many link clicks you're getting, how many comments you're receiving, et cetera. Whatever that number is, it's available for you. So I harp on this a whole lot, look at the numbers, Figure out what it is that your community really, really likes and then find other ways to continue to give that to them. They obviously keep showing up for this message. Keep telling that story. And on the flip side, figure out what's not performing as well and ease back on those stories too. It's ultimately what your audience wants. You might be really attached to a story or really attached to a certain style of photography or really attached to something else. If your audience doesn't love it, sorry, you have to say goodbye to it. Give the people what they want. Look at the numbers, figure out what that thing is, and continue to serve it up.
0: I love this. I find it, you're right, it beautifully integrates with what I'm saying that I'm glad you may like this photography style or this call to action or this way of speaking, but if people aren't connecting with it, then what's the point? You're just yelling into a void the idea of social media is that it is to create a connection it has to be a back and forth and interestingly in all of my my copywriting and even with the instagram captions i write i have to get into the mind of my customer the mind of the person who's who's reading or listening or watching so that i can i want them to look at it and go this bitch is reading my mind how did she know So it's so validating to hear that because I've stepped out of what I want to share and instead thought, what do they need to hear?
1: Social media is all about being intentional, really being meaningful with what you're putting out into the world. You're not just tossing out photos, hoping something sticks. That's a waste of time, like a huge waste of time, which brings me to my third greatest hit, which is be meaningful, be strategic, be intentional. If I had a dollar or on the flip side, depending upon who I'm in a training session with, I say, take a drink every time I say one of these words, (laughs) I'd be real tipsy and real rich because I say be strategic, be meaningful, be intentional all the time. And this kind of wraps up a lot of my philosophies all into one you know it takes us back to figuring out what the people want Um, you know back to the question you had aw with my first one the difference between a personal brand and a professional brand online you really want all of the moves you make online to be rooted in some sort of goal so you are there for something what is your why is the question you should be asking yourself before you share anything online i always encourage people you know you start a facebook page and you start creating content, start making posts, before you hit publish, think about that content and whether or not it's helping you move the needle on anything that you're trying to achieve as a business. It needs to be intentional. There needs to be some sort of strategy behind it or else you're wasting your time, you're wasting your audience's time because they're reading something that doesn't mean anything to them, is not you know driving them to make a purchase or to sign up for your newsletter or whatever it may be. Everything should be rooted in a larger objective. I find that this is the, sometimes the most
0: frustrating part of working with other people. And I've experienced this with you where I'm like, hey, Liz, we should do this. I think it's a great idea. And you come back and you go, okay, why? What's the point? What are you hoping to achieve? And sometimes I'm like, oh, why are you making this so hard? But often I know that it's because we want to go further. There has to be a purpose. And we are not saying don't experiment, right? You have to experiment to figure out what works so you can do more of it or less of it. But what you're saying is experiment with some intention, experiment with a purpose of figuring out more, gathering more data.
1: Often when I create social media strategies or work together with businesses, there's a ratio and it's usually like an 80-20 or a 90-10 where that 90% is rooted in business strategy. And the 10% is where we play around or we try one of the viral memes that's going around just to see what our audience does. But a huge majority of what's being pushed out there is based in what we're trying to achieve as a business it's a neat mix to to blend being
0: really intentional and strategic with some little hints of experimentation because it helps adjust and like evolve your intention because your intention, the reason why you do something might be different if you have an audience of 1000 people versus 10,000 people. Your intention will be different if you're targeting a different audience, a different group of people or sending out a different message. So yes, it has to change, but if it's all experimentation, without having a plan, then you're just kind of throwing
1: shit at the wall and hoping something sticks. Absolutely. And a strategy, whether it's for a website or for social media or for a blog or whatever, a strategy is a living document. You don't just write it and then shove it in a drawer and then it collects dust. Those things evolve as your audience evolves, as your business evolves, as the goals you have in that business evolve. So all of those things will change. Social media channels change every freaking day. It feels like, so that's a factor too. So setting those goals and setting some strategic direction, knowing that this will likely look much different as little as six months from now. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the coolest
0: parts of your job that it is constantly changing and you're right. This is a working document. It's not something that's going to change. Nothing is ever set in stone.
1: It's very cool uh, sometimes challenging because I just want to be able to a plan, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you're a planner. I'm How a nice would planner. it be to have all your content ready for January, right? Or to be able to, you know, teach the same course two semesters in a row without having to change any of my material? But it's constantly changing, which is exciting and also frustrating. But yes, yeah. of course, of mm-hmm. course. This is is oh man, we
0: planned this well. So one thing that you will hear me say over and over again is what are you waiting for? An invitation? And this goes back to 16-year-old Amanda Wagner learning to drive with my dad, Brian Wagner. I've told this story many a time because I'm sitting in traffic trying to merge. I have my signal light on. I'm shoulder checking for a good 90 seconds. My dad's sitting next to me. He's also shoulder checking trying to be patient because he's teaching his kid to drive. And he finally says to me, what are you waiting for? An invitation? Is somebody going to hand deliver something that says, this is your time to make a lane change? Similarly, when it comes to taking the next step in your life, in your business, when you've had the moment of sitting and looking at somebody else and going, why is she up there and I'm not? If you are waiting for the invitation, you're going to be waiting a long time. Some of the advice that I give most often is to encourage my clients to write their own invitation or at the very least to say, what would it say if somebody delivered this beautifully wrapped present and it said, I invite you to X, Y, Z, what would it say? Because that can give us some insight into what we want next. When it comes to doing what we want, we are fellow anxious perfectionists here. We want it all, we want it now, and we want it to be right, and we want it to be perfect, and we want it to be well-received. And sometimes those things are at odds with each other. My wonderful friend Amaya sent me this quote this morning from the co-founder of LinkedIn. And it says, if you are not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. And that was a gut punch for me because hearing that, I thought, oh, what are all the things I've been waiting on to make sure that they are perfect, to make sure that they are beautifully executed and there's no spelling mistakes or I have I have the full FAQ section. And then I go back and I remember that I launched my first business with a logo that was a screenshot of a business card that was a template from moo.com. My first website was two pages. One page that says, here's my business name. It was retail to riches. It was a bad name. You betcha I'm embarrassed of that first thing I did. But I had to take the first step so that I could take the next 25 steps, build a second business, one that I am really proud of. So I think sometimes we get caught up thinking that we need steps one through 25 sorted when really we actually need to execute step one before we can continue planning, before we can make changes and to acknowledge that something as it exists now, of course, is going to change. It's kind of the beauty of it. There is a way to operate in a very lean and intentional way, which is I'm going to try this first and I'm going to build my strategy based on these results. I'm going to collect some data. So yes, I want you to throw some things at the wall and see what sticks, but I don't want you to be stuck there forever. I want you to be embarrassed of the first thing you put out. My coach calls them the charming years. Let's look at the charming years of the things that I used to put out because it proves that you've gone past there. If you listen to the podcast regularly, you've probably heard these stories. I said at the beginning, this would be an easy episode for you to skip through and not really listen to. But my hope is that you took it in with where you're at today. These are greatest hits because we tell these stories and we use this language over and over again because they hit us differently. And there are always new people joining our community. In a conversation with my friend and a person I've hired, coach I've hired, Ashley Jansen, I go to her when I need to calm my chaos and talk things out logically and with intention. And we talked about how the pressure to have something new and sexy is something that we put on ourselves, even though we don't actually have proof or pressure from anybody else to do it. We could both cite attending the same conference multiple times, or working with a mentor or leader and going through a framework that they've presented, and it's the same framework every single time. But the impact is different because of where we're at in time. And again, I find this so incredibly powerful because in some ways by having these old chestnuts that we know connect with others, not only do we take the pressure off of having to always be inventing and creating, but we're also eliminating the need to have to teach a new tool every time, or to say, oh, this framework was good enough last year, but it's not good enough anymore. There are some tools, ideas, concept, and stories that just stick, and it can be a disservice to eliminate them too quickly. What I want from everyone listening is I want to hear your greatest hit. I want you to think about the thing that you say or do or post over and over again, or that somebody would say, Oh, they always say this, or as so and so always says. And I want you to post it on your Instagram story or grid. And I want you to tag us at The Amanda Wagner so that we can share it and we can help get your greatest hits out there. They are greatest hits for a reason. So let us help you get those ideas out in the world and
1: share them more widely. I can't wait to see those popping up on Instagram. So so excited. excited. Hear oh, that, some was of, the that was cute of us. Yeah, it was very cute. We are very cute. <laughs> um, so speaking of Instagram, today's WWAWD came in via the DMs there. This question is from Michelle, who says, I want to move up in my company. There's currently a vacancy on the team, which would be a promotion for me. My boss really isn't great with conversations like this, and a one-on-one chat would be almost useless. Any suggestions of how I can show my worth at work without being a nuisance or seem like a suck up? What do you think? This is a juicy question.
0: Mm -hmm. On an Instagram post a couple weeks ago after we released the podcast episode about what advice do you get that you think is useful but turns out to actually be harmful? And somebody had responded and said, charge what you're worth was some of the worst advice. And so whenever I hear this word worth, I really start thinking about that. And so the reason that this person said, charge your worth is bad advice is because it equates your worthiness with your price point. And it it says that your only value is in how much you can charge. And when we don't feel as valuable, we don't feel as worthy, maybe we're down on ourselves. It's really hard for us to paper and pencil put out a rate. My question here to you, Michelle, as you probably know, I'm a big fan of Don't Ask, Don't Get. So my instinctual answer is to say, ask for a chat. But knowing that you've said my boss isn't great with conversations like this and a one-on-one chat would be useless, my thought is what if you were to have an email exchange, whatever form of communication is best for your boss, and to say to them, I'm interested in this vacancy, what's the best way to talk about it? And to turn it on your boss and maybe let them make the decision. Is this a one-on-one conversation? Have they considered you for the role? Do they want you to apply formally? But just to put it out there and be assertive enough to say, I'm interested in this. Would you give me some guidance on how I could be the best candidate for this role? Maybe it's an email, maybe it's a coffee discussion, but it doesn't have to be an awkward one-on-one. What matters is this person knows your intentions and then you can sleep at night knowing that you haven't been cagey about it, that you did ask for what you want, and you will at least hopefully get a response that either says, sure, let's talk about it here, or says, nope, you're not right the right fit for the role, in which case you get to make a decision about what you do then. Do you start looking at other jobs or other companies? Do you look for other ways to change your job? There are options. What I want you to get from this is that having a one-on-one isn't the only way to do it, but I want you to sleep at night knowing that you
1: are asking for what you need and want. I love that answer so much. Great question, Michelle fabulous answer, Amanda, as always. Thank you so much. We want more questions from you. You can submit them via Instagram at the Amanda Wagner or visit theamandawagner.com and submit your questions via the contact form on the website. Thank you so much. This is one of the things that we experiment with on the podcast. We
0: had to do WWAWD for a few episodes to see, are we still getting questions? Is it still working? Are people still engaged and listening to those answers? And so far. The answer is yes. We see people listening. We're seeing more questions coming in. So again, that's another thing that we get to assess as we continue the podcast. Do we want to keep going? Does it still fit with our strategy? Now, as promised, our next two episodes, oh, we are lighting the podcast on fire. So a few months ago, we posed a question to our audience on Instagram and said, if you've never had a coach before or you've never worked with a business strategist, Would you want to hear what one of those sessions is actually like? And this week, I had one of the most powerful pants on fire sessions with a client who is doing some really incredible things. And interestingly, she and I met back in March, 2020, when everything seemed to fall apart. And I was offering free 30-minute business owner support sessions. And she came into my room and said, I have this job and I'm miserable. I can't do this for much longer. And since then, she has quit her job, started her own freelancing company as a designer, And she has now moved to the States, to New York City to do a master's program and is ready to light the world on fire. What's most interesting is that we had this call and I had no intentions of making this public. This was a regular one-on-one call and I finished, we stopped recording and I said, is there any chance you'd be open to us sharing? And she said, absolutely. So what we are going to do is we are taking that call. And by we, I mean, Liz, as the producer of the show, Liz is taking that call. We are bleeping, identifying details, things like company names, any sentences that feel really personal, because, of course, this was an authentic business strategy and coaching call. So we're going to bleep some of those things. But this woman who is a a designer turned branding vixen who is so excited to get what she's doing out in the world and work with some big names. We are going to put it out there for you to listen to. You can observe. I want you to see two things. Number one, I want you to see two women who are ready to have a big impact and light the world on fire. What I also want you to hear is the experience of working with a coach like me, I call my felt myself a professional dot connector. I have also been called a business therapist. There's a reason that people keep coming back to my Zoom room. And if you've never had a strategist or coach before, it can be hard to know what to expect. So, we're going to break this episode, excuse me, this call into two episodes so that you can hear exactly what happens in that zoom room i'm a little bit of a bossy coach i'm going to tell you what i think if you ask and you're going to see that we just get so lit up we are both sweating by the end i give it my all so that this person can benefit and go and shake things up in her industry i will give you a heads up in that episode If you are sensitive to language, I'm going to ask you to put some earmuffs on because like I said, we get excited. But the next two episodes, I want you to be so ready for them because it is juicy. And of course, I will reveal the identity of this person. We will make sure that you are following them. And I will, of course, encourage you to to send some claps, some kudos, some celebration her way. We talk all about her master's program. We talk about chicken wings and we talk a lot about Drake. So oh. stay
1: tuned for that episode. Oh, we talk a lot about Drake. I haven't edited yet. As you can tell, I, this is, this is a bit of a teaser for me as well. I was just aw, I was just looking at our Instagram stats Yeah, and the post where we asked if people are interested in this was the most like overwhelmingly the most popular post we've had in the last six months. So people want this. Let's give the people what they want. Yes, data-driven decisions. So pumped for our listeners to be a fly on the wall for this conversation. Yes, it's going to be so good. And Drake started
0: following Lisa Rinna. So maybe Drake is going to get on the Amanda Wagner community. There are some really exciting conversations that happen in here, and you really don't want to miss out. For now, we want to hear your greatest hits and oh boy, do I want you in my Zoom room. So please share on Instagram one of your greatest hits, tag us so that we can share it as well so that we can support you, cheerlead you, applaud for you because we want to see the magic that you are putting out into the world and help you get it out into more places. If you want people to know your name, I have some more juicy news for you. Starting in October 2021, I am launching a group coaching experience with two monthly calls called, you guessed it, Know My Name. If you are keen to get out in the world, build your legacy and be around other people who get you and want it too, but don't want to be bogged down in hours of coursework or four calls a week. You don't have to quit your full-time job to engage with our community. Sign up for the newsletter at theamandawagner.com for first access and all the information. And of course, we will share it here on the podcast and on Instagram
1: as well. And if you're curious about how to make your social media platforms better, if you need some help with the old posting and ghosting situation, or you want to make some more strategic decisions, I can help you with that. Connect with me on Instagram at Liz or visit LizPittman.com. The beauty of the greatest
0: hits that we've shared today is that this is volume one. There are more to come. And right now we know we can sleep easy knowing that these big ideas are out of our heads and out of our notebooks and share with the people that can benefit from them. I'm so glad you joined us here for the podcast today and I cannot wait for the next
1: two episodes. That first part of the coaching call will be released in two weeks. And until then, as always, we will see you on the internet.
0: I'm so excited. I I can't can't stop smiling. You're (laughs) like a little kid. It's so cute.